Hey everyone, happy Friday, good weekend. Welcome to, <clears throat> excuse me, oh that's a great start. Welcome to episode 103, New York Department of Untransportation, which references this new viral incident in New York City with the quote unquote city by Karen. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into that, I talked about it on the podcast uh, today, so you can just go and listen to that instead. So there. Um there's a lot, of course, that happened this week, a lot where I talked about with Senator Fetterman and journalists cleaning up his quotes for him. Um, we also have uh, <laughs> just one of these things that just kind of just fell by the wayside is Joe Biden apparently drone striked a farmer in Syria, like a, a, uh, a sheep shepherd, after they claimed credit that he was a one of... Uh, leaders of ISIS. And of course, this isn't the first time Joe Biden has accidentally drone striked anyone. Um, so yeah, his foreign policy is turning about just about, you would expect for a geriatric 80 year old with sundowning syndrome. That's the good news about Biden. He can do shit like this and then say, I don't remember doing that. I, I'm old. I don't know. He can pull the uncle Leo return, uh, routine. And so been a few things happened this week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just jump kind of into this so uh, we can get as many people up we have, we have one person in the queue, uh, but if you have anything on your mind, uh, media-related, culture-related, what have you. The one thing I didn't go into, and I thought about this, was ESPN's coverage of the Denver Nuggets. And I'm not a big NBA guy. Um, I, I don't really watch basketball. Uh, and then just someone who grew up in you know Denver for my whole life, or the Nuggets were just the worst team in the league forever and ever. And... It's funny, I, I talked to a few guys who were in radio in Denver, and it, the press coverage of the NBA uh, playoffs with the uh, the bias towards, like, the Lakers or East Coast, I think is kind of astounding. And I've thought about actually going into it just as, again, because it's a media thing. Um, there was a clip of the ESPN, I, for, I forget her name, Lisa Showalter or something, whatever, I probably got that run wrong who was the sideline reporter for the NBA. And she was on, I guess, uh, either Rich Eisen or Dan Patrick's show or podcast or whatever. And she said that she had never seen Nikola Jokic play a game. And I, I thought about that. I'm like, he's a two time. I don't, again, I don't really watch basketball, but I'm just in context. He's a two time back to back MVP. And, He's in. He's a guy in the conference finals, and she just flat out admits that she's never even watched a game of his. And I'm, I kind of winced at that. And there was also the, uh, the whole MVP thing with Kendrick Perkins making it about race. And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, hey, this is what I deal with every day. So that was another fun thing that I just. It's kind of on my radar. I may even write about it. That this kind of this institutionalized bias just doesn't play over into politics or whatever. You have ESPN. Who, who barely acknowledges that uh, the number one seed in the NBA West uh, even exists. And so I thought that that was a kind of a funny thing uh, that I was talking to some of those guys about. So that's another fun topic. If you guys want to keep it loose, let's keep things light and uh, just kind of wrap up the week. Normal rules, as usual, I just throw these out there. Um, just be mindful if there are people behind you in the queue, we kind of just want to keep things moving and try to wrap this up so, uh, we can all enjoy our night and our weekends. And also if you're speaking, just please remember to mute your microphone, 
Um, if you're if you're talking or if you're waiting for me to talk or whatever, it makes it easier for me. It also just makes it a better recording. And uh, just to note, these are these episodes are recorded, so we do want people to go back and listen to them. So again, uh, keep your thoughts short and sort of on topic. And uh, uh, and that's about it. So I know it's a conversation, and it doesn't always happen that way, but whatever. So um, I'm going to go ahead, Little Red, if you can hold on. I know you were up there fast, but you also, I think, spoke on Wednesday. So I'm going to bring Jacqueline up, see what she has to say here. Um, but, yeah, let's kick it off. Having a good Friday. Hey, and um, just, like, because you brought up, you know, sports, that was the only thing I was going to talk about real quick. I don't know if you watched any of the um, Stanley Cup playoff series with the Panthers and um, the Hurricanes. I, I did not watch that. I did overtime. not watch that seven and a half hour hockey game last night. No. For 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 those of you who don't know, the the Florida Panthers are playing with Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they went into four overtimes. Before goal, that's effectively playing two games back to back. Like just you're playing the you're playing the equivalent of three hockey games. It's insane, and I, I don't know what the record is on it. Um, but no, I did not. I did not watch that. Like I didn't even watch the entire game. I just turned it on. It was like around midnight. I turned it on because I looked on my phone and saw it was still happening. And so I was like, all right, I'll put this on, see what happens. And then I was like, damn, this is like the fourth overtime. And then, I like, I don't really care. Out of the four teams that are left, I'm like, I want either Carolina or Florida to win. I don't want Vegas or Dallas to win. But other than that, I was just kind of like, We'll see what happens, and watching four overtimes was not super fun because it was like 2.30 morning by the time I went to bed, but it was just insane. Yeah. I'm going to go back and watch some clips, but I, I can't even imagine uh, when I was talking to someone who actually watched it. They said they thought they were watching like a beer league by the end of the guys just couldn't skate or pass or do anything. Um I mean, to give you an idea, in my in my fast league, I burn about 1,300 calories a game. So if you take a professional athlete like that, who guys are in really super shape, I'm in pretty decent shape now, but, you know, guys who are professional at this and they're in super shape, they're probably burning upwards of about 3,000 to 4,000 calories a game. And so when you put all that together, you know, you're you're looking at guys who are probably just completely shriveled up and dehydrated at the end of it and can't move. And they probably don't get home until four or five, you know, or back to the hotel until four or five in the morning. And they get one day off to where they have to go back and do it again tomorrow. And they probably just spent all day in bed. And I can't, I can't even imagine what it's like to play three periods of hockey another three periods of hockey and then an extra period of hockey. Um, it's, it's, it's insane. I'm going to have to go back and look to see what the longest playoff game is, but I, it wouldn't shock me if that's one or two. 
right, that's all I was going to say. I, would, I, I know you said um, the other day that you just want to have a speed round. So I will let you go to the next person. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna look at doing like a hot episode. It pro- it's not this one where like, and it, it, it depends on people's interest. I'm gonna need enough people to make it last for 30 minutes to an hour, where where you just get 45 seconds to throw out anything that you want. I don't respond, whatever, and then I just clock you and kick you off and make it like an Oscar speech edition. So I don't know. It's just kind of a fun idea to kind of. Um, maybe mix things up a bit. So we'll see. Um, I'm also picking Florida to win the cup. I don't know how right now anybody picks against a team that took out Boston and the Maple Leafs. So they are my Stanley cup pick uh, for right now. So we'll see, but Jacqueline, good to hear from you. Good to see Zach again. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I was, thinking because I saw the whole bike episode blow up like everyone else. And so I just didn't think it made any sense to begin with. You have a um, I don't know if she's a nurse but a healthcare worker who's six months pregnant she gets off work and then immediately goes into the middle of a group of young black men and tries to steal a bike from them. Like, just two plus two, it, it just doesn't add up here. Like, the whole thing is, is stupid. Yeah, I mean, that's why I didn't comment on it. Because I, I looked at this and I was, you're right. Right off the bat, um, you're, you're just, you're, like you said. The other thing I found interesting was it's like you have one person against three guys. And they were getting one city bike. Like, what? what's going on here? Like, these three dudes were going to just ride on one city bike? I mean, it's New York. You've seen, you know, two two people on it. But as I know, as somebody who's lived there, and I've noted that city bike theft in New York is a pretty common thing where um, people just wait. So someone will just go up and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll just kind of sit back. And I'm not saying that that's the case here. I don't know what this case is, but someone will sit back. And when someone goes up and unlocks the bike, pulls it out of the station, you do it with an app on your phone. And then they just basically go up and take it or they threaten the person and then take it. And, you know, 99% of the time you just let them do it. I've never had this happen to me because I've never used a city bike. Um, and then you just forget it. Cause it's like, it's not, you know, <laughs> the, the price of renting a city bike is not worth getting shot or stabbed over. So people just let it go. And then they just pick up another bike. And so I don't know if that's the case here, but I thought about, okay, what are three dudes doing with one city bike? And so, yeah, I mean, this as soon as this kind of hit, it was the New York Post who picked it up and reported first on it. And then, of course, everyone on Twitter, or it went out viral on Twitter first. But that video has over 40 million views. And I think that that's insane. Like, it's one of those that just reinforces, I guess, what people believe and of course, as I said, today you have racial grievance ambulance chaser Ben Crump. As soon as those guys jump into it, um, all they do is inflame a situation. They did it with Jacob Blake, who turned out, oh, he had a knife and he was trying to kidnap a kid. They did it with Micaiah Bryant, who was the girl that was shot when she was trying to stab another girl. And as I said in the podcast, where this goes is it doesn't matter if she paid for it or not. She, because of her white privilege, she should have let them have the bike. 
and then she can just get another one because that's ultimately this whole situation is what equity is. It's you pay for it. They get the bike because of their skin color. And because you are uh, and because you are white and anti-racist, you must let them have the bike. And that's that's what the argument's going to be, at least in the punditry world. They're not quite there where they can say that yet, but that's that's what they believe. That's what this whole anti-racism slash equity platform is about. Is it strictly about skin color because you're white or because you're a white lady, especially if you're like a white woman, then you must just give up the bicycle and let them have it. And that is one of the main reasons the media is going to still attempt to destroy her life, even if she sues, even if she files lawsuits on media outlets or whatever, she's probably going to have to move. And that's the thing. There's like her whole life is upended and all she did was just get off work (laughs) and try to go home. And that's how they work. That's they literally work that fast and there's not much she can do about it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And um, I saw one of the comments said like you know she didn't have a weapon which you know makes sense because it's new york and their their laws are insane but you notice that these videos they always come out from places like new york they don't come out from places like here in arkansas because nine times out of ten i would have been holding a gun and there's no telling what they said before they started recording or after, but if someone's carrying a gun, odds are they're probably not going to pick that bike to go after because you don't want to get stabbed over a bike, but the person that's stealing it probably doesn't want to get shot either. And as for Arkansas having cities, kind of. We have places people gather. (laughs) um what is what is is birmingham alabama is turning into like a new gentrified hipster city that people are moving to because of how cheap and i guess beautiful it is so i know that's not arkansas but that's just what that triggered the funny thing about the story on nbc so nbc news offered an update on this three years or three hours ago says uh, NBC News update that New York City hospital employee was placed on leave after a video showed her appearing to take a city bike rental from a group of young black men had paid for the bike, according to her attorney, who showed the receipts to NBC New York. So they had the receipts. She's proving it. And it's not just her attorney says. That's what they framed it as because he appeared on Fox News. And so they've issued a correction. But what's interesting is Camille Foster is just noted that the reporter for NBC, uh, Doha Madani, is uh, she, her, break, senior breaking news reporter at NBC News, uh, was also the reporter that wrote on the Amy Cooper incident in Central Park. And that's the one with the bird watcher guy that I did, I referenced today, and I wrote about it, Rebeller, back in the day. And it's interesting that it's the same reporters doing the same fucking thing over and over again. Um, I'm, people need to basically be fired for this, and heads need to roll, and I hope she bankrupts a few of these news outlets. She's not going to bankrupt NBC, but um, her and her attorney need to fucking go out full things, full full on, and um, just really take it to them. Because as I said, that's really the only way things are going to change. And I said in the podcast, people ask me, how do, how do things get better? What is the media going to learn, et cetera? And, and this was back in Nicholas Sandman. And I said, that's how. You sue the fuck out of them, and they'll stop. Eventually, they'll stop. They're going to lose a case so badly 
It's going to cost them millions of dollars, sort of similar to what Fox happened with Dominion, and they'll stop. And the shit will, you know, they'll stop passing off viral videos on on Twitter or TikTok as news because this really isn't newsworthy. That's the other thing behind all of this. They make it newsworthy and they think it's newsworthy because they're projecting a race angle onto it. And it's um yeah, and and you mentioned Ben Crump and uh, talk about somebody that maybe maybe a lower form of life than a journalist. Um but yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he he's, the, he's the he's the new Al Sharpton. He's a guy who's going to make he's going to make thousands of his own. He's going to make thousands of dollars, and he's going to wear polished suits, and he's going to do it all on the back of pushing racial grievances. And you're you're right these these are people who are who are just scum. There's no way to put it, and it's not a racial insult. Um, I mean, there's people on the right who push this shit too. It's not as lucrative as because you have the media that's certainly on one side and certainly not. But yeah, I mean, Ben Crump is the next Al Sharpton. And just, and I said this, just when you thought that Al Sharpton's getting up in age and we're going to finally be rid of his fucking carcass once and for all, now we, we have a whole new generation of these people that we have to... Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Jacob Blake was only somewhere where he had a protective order not to be around somebody that he had a protective order not to be around in a car he didn't own taking children that he had no right to while armed with a knife and they go out of their way to paint him as as a victim i mean like they literally act like it was uh jacob mother Teresa reincarnated blake and not who he actually was which was a piece of shit who got in a fight with the cops and was going to get a weapon and got well got what happened when you try to get a weapon when cops are around which was a bunch of bullets yeah the jacob blake incident was that's one of the ones that really started to kind of open people's eyes and then also you had the micaiah bryant one was was more blatant than that one you mean where you, you literally had national journalists saying, "Why was the police officer there?" That's just how these people settle these things, and it's like, yeah, we're just supposed to let her stab a girl. And I okay. You mean you didn't and, you didn't grow up getting in knife fights? Knife fights were part of growing up. Is, not is not like we those. No. Um, I mean, Jacob, the Jacob Blake one was interesting because several news outlets went with the, an unarmed. Even Jake Tapper referred to Jacob Blake as an unarmed black man. And several of those news outlets had to go back and correct that, or at least going forward had to make sure that that was part of the story. And that was one where the media still made excuses for it. And it's like, wait a second. He had a knife. He was attempting to kidnap kids. He was, he had a restraining order on him and you're trying to make this guy out to be a martyr and a racial martyr. And once kind of the full report came out that, and in the video, you see him going for a blade, and then they have photos of the knife on the floor of the car. Um, he disappeared real fast. Jacob Blake was visited by Kamala Harris during the 2020 campaign. I mean, this was not just a media incident. They tried to prop that guy up politically, and I think that that was the one where, and Kamala has a habit of this, her and her people, the Justice Smollett and all of this other stuff, um, where they basically, they, they leap before they look, 
and it's largely because they know that they have a national media complex that's on their side with this stuff. And so um, that the Jacob Blake incident, I think, was one that turned a lot of people onto this. And they just said, we see what you're doing here. And when you start to excuse the circumstances, that's why Wesley Laurie in The Washington Post, they keep a database of black men shot by police. They don't they don't have anything in context about why this person was shot. It's just to show you that police are murdering black men. And I think people are a lot smarter than that to go, okay, well, well, why? They're not, cops aren't just roaming the, you know, the hood and, you know, popping caps and brothers here. Okay. So when you keep a database and you don't explain context to readers while, you know, pushing this idea in media that we must fact check and add context to random Twitter users, I think people get, smart to that and the jacob blake thing was one where they went maybe we should pump the brakes on this shit a little bit and then of course you had lebron james jump in on the micaiah bryant thing saying well you're next and that's the thing like this is a cop responding to a call and now he's thinking fuck i'm gonna have to hire a lawyer and move my family and that is a form of defunding the police you don't have to actually defund police you just have to make it severely undesirable for them to answer calls because if they get a call in a black neighborhood on a domestic violence beat, that cop is thinking, if I go here and if I have to subdue this guy, I'm going to have five cell phones on me. And even if I follow everything to the letter of the law, and I'm not saying that that was the case with George Floyd. I think that those cops should have been prosecuted, but it doesn't matter. That's the whole point. Our media doesn't see a distinction between the cops in the George Floyd incident and the cops in the Jacob Blake incident. They see zero distinction with that. And so that's a form where cops just say, well, fuck it. I'm not going to this call. <laughs> this isn't worth it. This isn't worth me, you know, possibly getting into an armed confrontation. And then I had the national media on my front lawn because they doxed me in my where my wife works. And then I'm moving my family to like fucking Alaska where I have to work in a fish processing plant. I mean, that is a form of defunding. And I think that particularly like the squad wing of the Democratic Party and the Soros wing of these, of these Soros-backed prosecutors throughout the city, they know that. And that's their way of getting around the whole defund thing. It's just like, make it severely undesirable for cops to even do their jobs. And you'll get people who decide, I don't want to be a police officer. And I don't want to be one anymore. See you later. I'm going into private security. Well, I mean, we, we see that. That's why um, a lot of major cities are having... Um, you know, shortages with police. It's because the ones that are old enough to retire early are getting the fuck out and the ones young enough to start over are quitting and starting over in another career because um, I, I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, you know, you know, you talk about the George Floyd case one of the guys that was prosecuted, it was his first day on the job. Like it was his first day out in the field and he was still convicted because he didn't stop his supervisor from doing something. Like it was just, it was ludicrous to the, the point at which, uh, to the point at which, you know, some of this, some of this stuff has gotten, but uh, New York had a subway vigilante before, and uh, he was acquitted because New Yorkers were sick of the city not protecting people on the subway. So when he went and a group of teenagers decided to 
rob him, he decided to shoot them. And um, I think that's that's it's getting to that point, but I don't know if New York is there yet because New York as a whole, as a city, doesn't seem very smart. Um, and it's not, and, and it's and not I the same just, city that it was pre-COVID, and that's something that p- people who don't live there don't really understand. Is you now have a way more liberalized city. You obviously have people like Alvin Bragg there who excuse a lot of crime, and it's just it's there is a night and day difference, and maybe more so than any other city in the country. There's a night and day difference between pre and post-COVID New York City. Um, it, I mean, it's it's almost like they never really came out of it, and it's still just kind of like Mad Max in a lot lot of parts of that city. They want to tell you that no, it's back. New York's back, and yeah, there's you know dining's back there and stuff like that. But you still go down Fifth Avenue, and shit's still boarded up. Like it's not it's not even close to the same city. So, um, yeah. and yeah, and and this they're trying to tie this incident in with the Samaritan incident with Jordan Neely, and that's also. There appears to be no real racial angle to that story as well. And even if this guy walks, Merrick Garland's Justice Department will prosecute him under federal civil rights violation charges. So that's the thing. What do you do? We're being told in New York to just mind your own fucking business. And by the way, in the name of equity, you have to sit there and let somebody berate you. And and if somebody steps in, that person will now be prosecuted. And that's the case you had here with this bicycle incident. Nobody stepped in. Because people were like, oh, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm not going to end up on t- I'm not going to jail. What happens if I get in a fight here? What happens if I, you know, end up killing one of these guys? And that's the city that you live in now. And so I don't, I don't know what to tell those people. And so, and like I said, you know, on the podcast, the other interesting thing is there's so many contradictions to this. It's no, you don't step in. You don't do anything unless there's immediate harm. But then you have these fucking people in the city and journalists telling you to carry Narcan in case somebody overdoses on fentanyl. And it's like, what happens if somebody overdoses on fentanyl? And I I guess that happens in restaurants or whatever. Like you just see someone, they fall over and overdose on fentanyl. Like what? And And you administer Narcan. And what happens if this person dies? Or people have said that when you come out of a fentanyl overdose on Narcan, you're violent or whatever. And there's a physical incident. I mean, it's insane. It's absolute fucking insanity, and they don't even know the rules of their own book. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, there was something I wanted to say. It was uh, back when you mentioned our esteemed vice president. When she was actually running for president, you know, before she dropped out, before the first primary, um, she had pushed this uh, anti-lynching bill in the Senate, and one of her campaign surrogates was Jesse uh, Smollett's. I always want to say Juicy. Yeah, you want to say it like, like Chappelle, Chappelle says it. I love how Chappelle yeah. says it. He and, calls him Juicy. Yeah, and that was right. Uh, you know, right before he hired two um, Nigerian Trump supporters to beat him up. And so, you know, part of it, the cynical part of me thinks that he did that to help her campaign. And then the really cynical part of me thinks that there were some people on her campaign who might have told him it was a good idea. Maybe. (laughs) 
I think honestly he was doing it to raise his profile because there was a rumor he was going to be getting kicked off of his show. He was on Empire or something like that. Yeah. There was a rumor that his character was going to be either killed off or written out. And so the rumor is that he did that to raise his media profile. So they couldn't fire him after a brutal attack in Chicago. Yeah. But I would, um, I will leave you with this. My, my health is good. Um, no more, no more pink eye, but, um, it, Every time we hit a new low, I'm stunned, and I think, well, that's it. We can't go any lower than this, and then we turn around, and we go lower. Thanks for the update. Little Red, thanks for waiting. A couple people in uh, who weren't here earlier in the week, but uh, go ahead. Thank you for breaking up the Sausage Fest. <laughs> and that is exactly what I'm here to do because I'm going to tell two quick stories. One, when I was about 25, uh, a group of young men approached me at a, an ATM and asked me for money. And it was dark and it was like eight o'clock at night. It was in October. And so it was dark in Oregon <laughs> and it was terrifying. Uh, I had some friends over after an employee party his, uh, one of my coworkers, his girlfriend passed out on the couch. Everybody else left. And I was alone with this guy. He's about my height and about my weight and pushed me up against the counter and was uh, aggressively coming on to me. Nothing bad happened. I was fine. The point is, I don't think you men understand how very, very scary a confrontation with a man can be. And this is not just about these guys and the bike. It's about transgender men in the bathroom. It's about all of that. Like men are scary to women when they start to get physical with us because we are so much weaker. <laughs> well, and then the thing like, means, you said, have to also take into account that she's pregnant. And so right. she's thinking if these guys assault me or whatever like that, you know, I have a six week pregnancy and I mean, that's another part of this. And then, of course, when they start berating her and filming her and saying she's, you know, they said, like, her kid's going to come out retarded and they're saying you're fake crying. And these are guys who, to me, are very media savvy. They know that if they film this and put it up on Twitter or whatever, they know that they're probably going to win that interaction, even in the short run, even if it comes out later. Um, but she's lucky. I'll just say she's lucky she kept the receipts in her account for, for that interaction, because if she didn't, these three dudes would be all over the Today Show starting on Monday. Yeah, well, I think there were five, not three. But the point is, is that I watched that and I was terrified for her. Like, I was really worried something bad was going to happen to her because having a three, it doesn't even matter. It just could have been one young man that close to me when I'm trying to get my bike and go home from work. And I'm pregnant. Even if I wasn't pregnant, I would be terrified. And I, I have several male friends that we've talked about the trans, the transgender issue, and they're like, "Well, yeah, it does, but it doesn't affect me." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's nice. It doesn't affect you, you know." Um, and that's, I mean, that's that's a point that I I continue to make about this debate is it's going in one direction. We're yeah. not we're not hearing about trans male athletes 
going out for basketball teams in college. This is a debate that is effectively focused on the erasure of the female identity completely. It's, it's almost 100% that direction, whether it's now it's swimsuits or it's... We can get started on that. No, yeah, I don't want to get you too started on it. We all want to get out of here. Um, yeah, this is this is a debate, and I think there needs to be more focus on that. That is almost exclusively happening in the direction of women. You have yes. biological males joining women's sports, and you have them uh, again. You're seeing this thing with women's swimsuits, and you're seeing like this happen. And the only way out of it is again is to me it's where you get the feminized left has to stand up and go, we're trying to be allies with you, but knock this shit off. And until that happens, it's going to continue to go in that direction. Yeah. And I, I don't want you to think that this is that the transgender and this is off topic. They're the same thing. It's men using their physical presence to intimidate women and it's wrong. And I thought we were supposed to be beyond this. Like, I mean, it's always going to be a thing, but it's just really upsetting. I'm glad I don't have daughters. I'm glad I have sons. For now, they're sons. (laughs) Shit. Sorry. Um, Yeah, well, I think... Hey, just saying, you never know. (laughs) But my point is... Would you you accept... if, If your sons came out as trans, would you accept them? Accept them as what? So, how old are they, by the way? <laughs> I would accept them how, as... How, how old are your sons? Uh, 21 and 19. Okay, so they're roughly college sports age. So if your 19-year-old came out to you tomorrow, said, I'm, I'm going to start transitioning to female, and I wanted to let you know, I'm going out for the swim team. Okay. What, would you accept him? Would you still love and accept him? Well, I would love him and tell her, him, no, I'm you sorry, would you still love and accept her? <laughs> I would love him and her and accept her. And I'm saying, no, you're not going to go swim against the girls. That's not fair. <laughs> but, he's, but he's 19. He can do whatever he wants. He's he college. can do what he wants, but I'm going to tell him can, he's she wrong. She can do what she wants. <laughs> I, she's in college. I can't even. I can't even with the pronouns. Um, no, it's just. <laughs> I would, if my child did that, if one of my sons did that. I would tell them that they were wrong to compete in girls' sports. I okay. Would, it wouldn't be that. I you, would just. You know, I'm just making you awkward. I know. Right I know. Now, right? I know. Okay. I'm just. This, this whole situation with men and women, and I'm not even a feminist. Like, I really like men, and most of my friends are male. And, like, I don't think men really understand how very, very scary it is for women to get into physical confrontations with men because we don't stand we don't i think it's and that's what i think is interesting about the 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 journal laptop class telling women on a subway to just mind your business and even if even if guy's not getting aggressive with you and they're screaming at you or whatever just mind your business just you know you have to just put up with that's part of living in the city no and the thing you have to understand is and part of the story a part of the Jordan Neely story that I can't get over is that happened on the F line in New York city. And if you're not familiar with the subway lines in New York city, you think that this just happened on the subway. Well, no, the F line runs from Coney Island through Southern Brooklyn. And then it runs all the way kind of up towards the Bronx. 
And I seriously doubt there are 20 journalists living in New York City who take that subway line. 100%. So what you're, so what you're saying is it's all working class women. It's, work, it's working class. It's generally, I don't want to say poor, but it's generally working class. It's generally urban poor, uh, those parts of Brooklyn. And so, yes, it's it's working class people who, you know, this isn't a line that runs from fucking Soho to the Upper West Side of Manhattan is my point. And right. it's also not a line that runs from Park Slope, Brooklyn into Midtown Manhattan. And right. like I said, I would be shocked if and the, and the thing that you learn about New York City is you you learn to I mean, how do how do I put this? You don't just like go and take the subways to take the subways. So whatever, wherever you live, um, you just learn to take the ones that you take to get where you're going is my point. And so at least for me, if I had to, um, I mean, my very first subway trips in New York, I got fucking lost because I just, you're, you're trying to read a subway map and it looks like the goddamn circulatory system of a penis. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't understand because Manhattan looks like a dick. And you just, you, you get lost on it and whatever. It's not hard to get, it's not easy or hard to get lost. You just get on the next one and go back to where you came. Um, but my, my point is, is that if you ride the subway system in New York City, you don't treat it like you own a car. And what I mean by that is um, if you, if you're going to a part of the city that you've never been, et cetera, et cetera, you plan that trip via the subway or you take an Uber is my point. And so there aren't a lot of journalists who are just going to go ride that F line. And then they try to, because they, their audience is people who aren't familiar with New York city. They try to just tell you that this just happens on the subway and it's something you have to accept. And it's not really the case. So, yeah. you know, when I, when I lived in Williamsburg and if I had to go, for instance, when I worked at national review, whose office was midtown, it's one subway across and one subway up and you know, the lines and you take them. You don't like, you know, go on joy rides. And that's kind of my point is the people telling you, well, this happens all the time in the subways. You can just do it. Those are the fucking people who don't ride the F line. I can I can almost guarantee you that that's. The well, it's like what I said about uh, the homeless encampments in Portland. Like, it's fine because I live in northeast Portland. I have to dodge the meth heads and try not to hit them. It's fine that my car gets smashed in. But as your, um, who was your listener who was in the West Hills? Uh, I'm sorry? There was a listener that you had that was in the West Hills. She called in after me. Anyway, hey, girl, hit me up. <laughs> Let's go have some drinks. <laughs> oh, no, another one in Portland. That's per yeah. kerfuffle. <laughs> yeah, kerfuffle. Hit me up. <laughs> or, uh, anyway, so, I think I'm... she's Shoshito on Twitter, too. I know her name. I'm, not, I'm just not going to dox her. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, she can find me on Discord. So <laughs> she's in the comments. So you guys, Ooh. you guys, go hook up, become BFFs, and uh, keep keep the man hating to a minimum, please. Oh, I love men. You know, I especially love people who will come to the defense of women. Yeah. Thank you, men, who do that. I appreciate you. Have yeah. a good night, Stephen. <laughs> Thanks, little red. Uh, we're we're on a good pace here. We'll just wrap up with Pierce, and then we'll take Steve. Uh, at the end here. Uh, Pierce, go ahead. Hey, Stephen. Uh, just to kind of reiterate what uh, Little Red was saying before about 
uh, women being expected to just sit there and take it on a subway. Uh, the, the journalists that are saying that are the same group of people and subset that say that want to take guns away. And my, my opinion is that guns are basically the, one of the great equalizers among the sexes. A woman with a gun is just as dangerous as a man with a gun. And that's a pretty strong deterrent. Um, but that was just kind of an aside. I wanted to talk about Jordan Neely and the mental health problem and maybe the mental health crisis in the States that that represents. Is that, is that a topic that that's been uh, covered enough? No, you can talk about it. Hey, I just wanted to say I officially banned my first person on Colin ever just now. So there's been this dude in the comments for the last few episodes, Lysol Tony Romeo. And I don't really have a problem with comment. I don't, I don't really care. But like, if you're not going to get up and talk to me, if you're just going to go in and you're going to fucking harass people in the room, come up and talk, come up and talk to me. And I invited this person up to speak and they kept denying it, denying it, denying it. So they're, they're banned. They're blocked. See you later. Sorry about that guys in the comments. So there's, a, I'm mainly annoyed. Like I, I'm not even going to do this on a, it's a free speech platform. No, you're just kind of being a tool. I, I can take people being assholes and you guys are like pushing back down there and stuff. But this dude's like showing up now three times. I've invited him up to speak and talk to me and stop like going after the callers and he wouldn't do it. So he's gone. Anyway, thanks guys. Continue. Sorry about that, Pierce. That was fun. This is the first time in a year of doing this that I've actually banned someone out of calling. So, and I, I wanted to let you guys know, I didn't do it because strictly because of the comments, but he's just kind of coming in and being a dick, which I'm fine. Be a dick, but come and be a dick to me. And if you're not going to accept the invite to come up and speak, you're gone. See you later. Yeah. So with regards to mental health, uh, the, the Jordan Neely death. Speaking of, yeah. <laughs> it, it's really tragic. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the family was pretty shocked and also pretty saddened to see that, you know, hey, their son just got killed. Uh, and it's really sad that it happened. I have that shocked enough just, to, to take care of him for the last five, six, seven years. And that's something I want to talk about because just recently I've got some close friends who they have a daughter who just recently suffered a mental breakdown. And it's kind of insane how it, oh, okay. It's literally uh, insane. Uh, so this was an individual who uh, was going to school, uh, dealing with finals, uh, and apparently just the pressures of what was going on, coupled with maybe some prescription drugs mixed in with some alcohol. Um, kind of pushed pushed her to this edge to where uh, she just became this kind of nonstop 24-7 machine of just up and at him, I'm going to do what I want. I have no regard for anyone around me. Um, when I was around her and, you know, tried to you know, help her and take care of her, uh, it, it was 24 hours. And I, as, a, as an individual that needs eight hours of sleep, pretty impossible to do that. And this person uh, started to become um, this, this kind of... Uh, danger to oneself, you know, like, Hey, this person's making erratic choices, has no regard to consequences. And so when this person, uh, or when she goes back to her family and her family tries to take care of her, she's, she has siblings at home, younger siblings at home, and that's traumatizing to them. And like the parents are trying to figure out, okay, what do we do with this person? And suddenly it becomes very expensive with like medical bills and stuff to say, Hey, what do we do with this? And so, uh, for a while she was involuntarily committed 
and which didn't really do a whole lot here in the state of Arizona. Just put them, put her away for a week and she gets doped up with whatever they put in her. And we don't get to see the registry of what kind of drugs they administer to her. And then uh, she comes out of that facility even more agitated and becoming even more violent. Um, and it was, it was basically, okay, you get to just sit with her and try your best to babysit this person until they come down from their, from their mania or take her to the, to the emergency room. And so that's what happened to there. So even more medical bills, the emergency room. Um, and then from there she gets treated to uh, another facility and she's being put in another facility. So my, I guess my point is that we, we have this, this problem where people can crack like that. Uh, Jordan Neely apparently did, and I could totally relate with a family that doesn't have the wherewithal to to financially support this individual. And so if they can't support this person to get the help and treatment that he needs, okay, well, the next option is let's just keep him at home and see if he's okay and if we can take care of him there. But that person needs constant 24-7 attention. So suddenly you have to start like scheduling out shifts to take care of this person so that way he doesn't hurt himself or destroy property or, you know, destroy appliances in the house or even become uh, a danger to like siblings. Like it's pretty tragic. And I think the Jordan Neely situation, uh, you know, it reveals a few things. Uh, number one, that the police weren't around to, to figure this out and that New York City hasn't figured out the, the violence on the streets problem or maybe the violence in the subway problem. But it also reveals a tremendous weakness in the healthcare system with regards to mental health. Like I remember as a child thinking of like, or watching these movies where you have like sanitariums, right? Where like the, the mentally insane get a, get committed and at least they get some kind of treatment, some kind of <clears throat> uh, oversight while their family can continue to function normally. And so I just wanted to bring that up. Well, those um, were inhumane. Because so I don't get, know. Those were inhumane. So we had to get rid of those. Sorry. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, they're inhumane. So we got rid of them. But now what? Now we're, we're thrusting families into poverty or otherwise unmaintainable situations. And then the person that is insane gets tossed out to the street and they, they just go willy nilly and you lose track of them. And then several years later, they wind up on the newstead. That's a hard problem to solve. Uh, I agree that it's probably a hard problem. The thing about the thing about Jordan Neely is this was not just random homeless guy. I mean, this guy was on he was on the radar of the, of the NYPD in the state of in the city of New York for his aggressive behavior, for the fact that, um, that this was a guy who had several interactions. He had an arrest. He had 40 arrests. And, and again, we can take into the how how in charge of his mental facilities was he i'm fully willing to take that into account with this guy's arrest record um he had an assault warrant out for him at the time of his death now i think i think that the manslaughter charge is a hard one because clearly this guy did not mean to kill jordan neely i think we can all pretty much agree with that but right jordan neely did die and so now you have to go okay now you have to look at it and say, well, was this intentional manslaughter or whatever? I've talked to lawyers that said, this is going to be hard for this dude to beat, especially in New York. Uh, it just comes down to uh, would would a, and I don't even know if this is possible because I'm unfamiliar with real strict pardon laws. Would this come down to somebody like a president DeSantis or Trump pardoning him? I, I don't know if that is even possible. So it's, 
when you when you talk about the and you talk about you know you're just supposed to sit there and let this dude aggressively harass people on the subway um it's not and, and for those of us who kind of defended daniel penny's actions it's not endorsing the fact that the guy's dead but the fact is this was not just a beloved street dancer as the media has vice media wrote that he was a beloved street dancer and it's kind of like if if you have to lie about who jordan neely was then you know why you have to lie is my point especially with media outlets uh, he's just a beloved Michael Jackson impersonator. And if you have to lie, if you have to blunt who Jordan Neely is, then you know you're being dishonest. You know for a fact that you're only telling one side of the story to present this as another innocent black man murdered and choked out just like George Floyd. And so media outlets know why they're being dishonest. And if they know why they're being dishonest, then you look at it and go, because you don't fully fucking believe your own bullshit either. And so as far as his mental health is, I mean, this was a guy who was just completely on the radar of the authorities. And you have a city where it's like, we're not going to prosecute this shit. Put him on the street and it's your problem now. And so, yeah, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's not so much a difficult problem. Um, I think it's an easy problem, especially when this guy has 40 arrests, you put him in fucking jail. And if he is a harm to him or other ones in the inmates, there is there are parts of, you know, prison in New York City and other states that have wings that deal with this shit. They just don't want to do it. And it really comes down to me. It comes down to that. And so then it's the attitude that you see throughout media really is, hey, we just got to deal with it. This, this is just part of living with dudes like this in this city. That's what makes this city great. And, of course, now it leads to adverse consequences to where you're never going to see another person intervene in a situation like this ever again in a subway in New York City. And then it's probably going to result in somebody getting stabbed or killed. We saw this now with three MTA bus drivers were assaulted and, and slashed on their bus. And I said on Twitter, I was like, was there no one there to step in? I mean, th this is the situation because you don't want to enforce a law. This is now the situation you have created. And so... The advice I would give to people is just get the fuck out of New York City. That's ultimately what it is. And it's up to their choice. And I get the people can't do that. You know, whenever people say, get out of the cities, leave the cities. It's like, guys, not everyone is like a nuclear family with the ability to just load up the U-Haul and move. Okay. And so it, to me, it, you're right that it's a complex problem. But I think it's a pretty easy problem if you enforce the laws. And that's hmm. pretty much what's not happening is, is laws aren't. I think uh, and. I'll get out on this. I think another problem too is uh, the media is more than happy to treat people that have mental disorders with very kid like gloves uh, and otherwise attempt to destigmatize their condition. I think a lot of that yes. has also I mean, come one out of them, of like academic one of them is now a senator from Pennsylvania. Yes. <laughs> oh, you mean, uh, you mean the safe, uh, 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 the make a wish foundation kid who appeared, uh, in the white hoodie. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so I just want to bring that up. Uh, so thanks a lot for what you're doing and hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, Pierce. Good to hear from you. This is a good, good episode. Good pace. Steve, thanks for waiting. You're going to wrap us up. You're going to bring us home. So don't be boring. Hey, so when this Indiana Jones movie flops, who do you think is going to be the first yeah, person to go. blame yeah. Ron, blame Ron DeSantis for uh, America rejecting Disney's first male to female transition? Yeah, I uh I I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything. 
the the thing about the thing that's just crazy to me is and this is this is Disney's power um and, and the, this really isn't much to do with politics although to me Disney could be a very very fragile company to harm if people actually cared and i look at it and it's like disney official disney's job is to ruin good things that's all they really do okay and whether it's star wars or marvel which marvel everyone's coming to the realization that marvel's just not very good anymore um, they just don't have the characters or the stories really, and nobody really gives a shit about who the new Captain America is or whatever. But you can be told you could you could grab someone and say you could grab a thirty five year old dude who grew up with Indiana Jones and be like, you don't have to go fucking see this. You're only going to be pissed about it, and it won't matter because all that matters to Disney is that you know Indiana Jones. What is this five? made a gazillion dollars at the box office. That's literally all they give a shit about. When you look at like what they did with the, the, the Star Wars sequels and Kathleen Kennedy, who Kathleen Kennedy has a, has a very clear agenda. And it's fine. I don't care about this so much, really, to basically put women in, in the, as the main characters of every property she controls. And that's fine. But when it's so blatantly obvious that you're not trying to make complex characters. You're just trying to make invincible women characters because girls get it done or whatever. It gets old and people realize that. And that's kind of the thing that is going to, if, if the rumors are true, and I tweeted about this last night, and I don't want to give anything away. If the rumors are true about what happens in this Indiana Jones movie, and if you've read early reviews you can see critics really tap dancing around some things. And so I'm like, you know what? I didn't plan to see this, but if it comes out that that's actually what happens, I might just go fucking see it just because of how bad it is. I might just go for it and see it like the room. But that's the thing like Disney does. I think they're a very fragile company because all people have to do is stop giving them fucking money. And I understand that it's hard. I understand that Disney pretty much has a monopoly on child's entertainment. So, I, I get as someone who's not a parent, but as someone I, I get that parents just sometimes want to just sit their fucking kid down, turn on Frozen for the 300th time just so they can get him to shut up. But this is kind of what it is, is people should go out and find other options and to entertain. Now, it's funny what you said about because I thought about this today. I was thinking about this sort of along the lines of what you were saying. And, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. I know I'll let you finish, but. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if this movie bombs, which I don't think it will. I think it will make enough money just based on the brand alone. However, that said, if the rumors are true about what happens in the plot, it's going to be it, it's going to be something that is going to damage Disney, I think to a degree of beyond repair. You're going to be looking and I said this on Twitter, you're going to be looking at the Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light thing times a thousand you're going to be looking at a nuclear explosion in the fridge um because the agenda will be so clear of what disney is trying to do that people it won't matter if desantis says it or not people are going to go holy fucking shit you just did that to indiana jones no the the rumor is not that indy is trans by the way um <laughs> It's, 
I'm just like, I'm, I'm fingers crossed hope it happens because th- this is such a kind of beloved character and it's such an iconic character that if Disney goes the route that the rumors are that it goes, I think it's going to cause such a backlash that it's actually going to spill over into culture and politics and people are going to go, we're done with this shit. Like there's people that are like right over here. I don't really like DeSantis, but he's actually pretty dead on about what Disney is trying to do. And um, I guess there is a line. I, I mean, there's two lines in the, in the trailers that already that should get you pretty aware and just make you cringe. And one is it was said, you stole it. And then I, you stole, and then I stole it. It's called capitalism. And you go, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then there's one where she says something to Indiana Jones about how he stole artifacts from indigenous peoples. And this is what I mean. You have to be subtle with this shit. Um, and, and I do, I do fully believe the idea that Indiana Jones is like a grave robber of uh, minority culture. I think that that's a theme that could be explored if you're not doing it for just cheap political points, and you're doing it because these are the people you want to see. And so, if if the plot, if if the ending at least of Indiana Jones is what is rumored to have happen, I think it's going to be such a public political cluster shit for Disney that I bet Kathleen Kennedy is out on her ass hundred percent because she would be the person that basically ruined two franchises that should be unruinable. And we just saw this thing with the, with the star Wars hotel now in Disney that Disney had is closing $6,000 for a two night stay. And it's a, it's a Star Wars themed thing. And if you look at photos of it, it looks like it's a fucking Uyghur worker camp. Like the bunks are uncomfortable. They're small. And now this hotel is closing because of the prices. And the other problem is that Star Wars doesn't have any movies right now to keep all of that shit afloat. And so, yeah, you have the Mandalorian, but that's over with. This is a show that only comes on one or, you know, once every two years. And it's because you know, people see these, these sequels and they see what you're doing. And we see that it's not about you caring about the story or the characters. It's because you have a social and political agenda that you're going to attach to known properties because you want your message out about girl power or feminism. And, uh, this, this is going to be one I've, you've already seen early reviews say this makes crystal skull look good. Like, it just looks better. And right there, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I said last night, I'm like, the rumors are fucking true. Like, they're actually going to do what supposedly happens in the script leaks. And, yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how the backlash, because that's what Disney does. And that's what Kathleen Kennedy and that's what the directors do. They don't blame their shitty product. They blame you, the sexist audience. And you're right that there they could you might see an argument you certainly might see it from some sectors of journalism like Jezebel or something where they actually blame DeSantis's sustained campaign against Disney for the rampant sexism against Phoebe Walker Bridges in the new Indiana Jones movie I bet that that is a take I mean I know you're kind of being facetious I bet that is a take that we might actually see it wouldn't shock me so I didn't mean to interrupt you but I knew I was like, somebody's going to bring up Indiana Jones, but I don't, I'm on the fence. If I go see this movie in a theater, it's going to be strictly because I heard about how fucking bad it was. And I don't even care that Disney has my money. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Like I, 
I like watching movies and I feel like sometimes you just got to balance out your palate uh, with, with bad ones, but it's like, I'll be on the fence about it. I will say I, I'm with regards to Kathleen Kennedy. Do you know she's 68? Like she's been around a while. You would think she would know like what works and they just so like, Nope, we're going to keep just throwing money away. And it's like Bob Iger's seven. It's like, you think these old people would remember like good movies, but I don't know. It's just crazy. They, they're in, it, but I mean, this is where, yeah, you're right. But I mean, this is where Rufo's videos of showing what people at Disney are doing. They fully come out and say, we're throwing as much of this stuff into, into our properties as possible. And whether, whether they say it's queerness or it's, uh, it's trans issues or whatever like that. And look, I don't, I don't have a problem if that's what Disney wants to do. Um, but people in, in at least, and this is what was in kind of thing about behind the Bud Light thing. I don't even care if Bud Light brings on Dylan Mulvaney as a spokesperson. I think they could have done it well, but instead they didn't really do it well because we're in an influencer economy. So it's, hey, this person on TikTok has 40 million followers. Let's just give them our product and we don't have to make a commercial. Well, we saw how that worked out. And so if Disney wants to go that route, that's fine. Um, but to me, it's one of these issues where people have to realize you, you have the power to direct what these companies do. And so if you go out and if you go and just see a Star Wars film, because it's Star Wars and you love Star Wars and you have a lightsaber and, and on the weekends you dress up as a stormtrooper and walk around downtown or whatever, you're, you're just empowering that shit. To me, you forfeit, I mean, you don't forfeit your right to bitch, but you kind of do. You still have a right to do it, but the credibility behind it. And so it's kind of like... I never understood the conservative argument of bitching about something like Disney when you're still going out there and you're purchasing their movies. And I've talked at length about this in the past. Um, and I've even talked to parents who said they're done. They find other things to do. They find other things to give them because the propaganda that Disney is now throwing at them is so obvious and it's like whatever. Um, and, and they stand behind this kind of this DEI equity shit. So if you come out and you oppose it, well, you're racist. And it's like, no, I'm not opposing the fact. I oppose the fact that you're telling, you know, my white child who's eight years old who just wants to watch a fucking cartoon that they are racist and have inherent racism in their system. Like, they don't need to hear that, you know? And so that's kind of just my advice to it. Uh, if, if, if I go see Indiana Jones, it's going to be because everything is confirmed and I just want to actually fucking see it. Like I just, so, and like I said, I'm not going to spoil it, but there was a story out three months ago that Disney was in a full blown panic over this movie that once the executives saw it, that they were trying to figure out because they couldn't reshoot it. Uh, they, they didn't have the money to go back and reshoot some stuff or change the movie because it was done. And they supposedly had an all hands on deck meeting with Kennedy and they're, they were in a full blown panic that they wanted to just dump it on Disney plus and, and just leave it there and just say, okay, but they realized we can't do this. I mean, they don't have any franchises anymore. Like, like I said, star Wars is, they're going to keep making star Wars movies, but right now they don't have anything in the can. They don't have any plans. I know that they announced a new trilogy with Daisy Ridley. Who knows that one might get canceled. And so the, the rumor is, is that it's, so, it's such a catastrophe that Disney is scared shitless of it. And so if they actually do to this character, like an iconic character, 
where they actually do to it, where it's unavoidable to see what they did. Um, it, it It's going to be a pretty big PR catastrophe for Disney, roughly right at the same time that Ron DeSantis is announcing his run for president. Yeah, and yeah, so it's, I will say, um, and I'll, I'll hang off on this, it's, uh, you talk about like parents of kids, like, for me, it's, it's not my daughter, it's, it's my wife, uh, who loves going to Disney, and, <laughs> and she's like excited about the Little Mermaid movie. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, it was like, but you, so uh, you, yeah, that was. say to your wife, and that's fine, is, what Disney is counting on, and this is the kind of company they've become, because this is how most progressivized companies have become. So I don't think people inherently have a problem with the casting of Ariel. I mean, she, she looks, I guess she can sing. She's a gorgeous girl. Um, if you're hosting, if you're putting the movie in the Caribbean, sure. Make, make a, make a mermaid colored with, you know, uh, red dreadlocks like that would make sense nobody cares but what Disney is counting on and I've said like I am a conspiracy theorist that they feed off this kind of publicity which is they they cast this person in the role and then they make up some inherent that people are outraged and nobody's outraged nobody cares then people see the trailer and go oh this looks like shit like this looks like a this looks like absolute shit the graphics are bad. The CGI is horrible. Uh, her eyes are on the sides of her head. Um, and then Disney takes those negative reviews or whatever, and they say, well, it's just because Ariel is black. And then people go, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it's because your movie's bad. And they use diversity as an excuse to, one, pub, like make their, like publicize their film more come and see this film that the white supremacist Trump people don't want you to see. And I've said in the past, it will not absolutely shock me that these studios, we saw this with the black stormtrooper controversy with John Boyega, which I wrote about. There wasn't a controversy. They went and they found four or five Twitter accounts with a couple hundred followers and they hold that up and then say, see, it, see, he's racist. We saw this with the Obi-Wan show with the black Sith character. They're not casting these characters because they're good actors, although you can argue they are. The reason they're doing it is so they can feed off of that. And so if you look, if you look at every fucking Disney movie or Star Wars, whatever, that has done this, there's been a controversy that Disney comes and defends. Then they have Ewan McGregor make a video and he goes, I just want to defend our cast member. She's great. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. And she doesn't deserve this kind of hate. And I think that this is an actual coordinated publicity strategy i really do and it would not shock me if those anonymous twitter accounts that are out there doing the tweets that then disney and our media go find is actually a hired pr team from disney like that will would not shock me one bit if that came out and so i think they're doing snow white next and i think they're make they're gonna cast an african-american girl in snow white which would just be fucking funny by the way given her name is snow white <laughs> explain that one guys um but that's the reason they do it. Like, and that should insult these actors. That should insult you as an actor that, um, look, nobody cares that Ariel is African-American. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, but then Disney goes out and they say, here, we found this account over this Twitter account. 
uh, Ariel isn't black. My Ariel will always be the white one. And then, then they rally the cast and you get all of these headlines and that's their way of drumming up publicity for the movie. And so I think you're going to see the exact same thing with Indiana Jones and Phoebe Walker bridges. And it's, it's going to be hilarious because if, if the root, if the plot is true, it's going to be indefensible. It will be indefensible to, I mean, you'll have media critic, you'll have guys in the media and critics who will say, Hey, this is just where we're going now with these movies and whatever. And it's not just her taking over, by the way, there, there's supposed a, there's supposedly a plot device that does more than just Phoebe Walker bridges carrying on the next movie. And if it, if it actually happens, it's going to be the funniest fucking thing it's like it's going to be Dylan Mulvaney times a thousand and it's going to be hilarious. And to me, people just need to just let it fucking happen and sit back when it does happen and just realize that the Indiana Jones movies ended after the, the, uh, the last crusade. And that's it. That's all you, and you have to be okay with it. So Steve, I'll give you the last word. It's this, is, it's a fun topic because I'm sitting here right now, hope upon hope that all of those plot leaks uh, are true. Because it, it, maybe that's enough for people who loved Indiana Jones or whatever, or conservatives who are all mad to just go, I'm never giving Disney another fucking cent. And I think if, if that happens, if what happens in the Indiana Jones movie is rumored to have happened, I think there's a good chance of, of that. And Disney's just going to continue to lose money. And if they want to credit Ron DeSantis for that one also, fair enough. But yeah, you might see the take that Indiana Jones bombed or the Little Mermaid bombed because of uh, Ron DeSantis's racist attacks on Disney. I'll give you the last word. Well, hey, maybe maybe it'll be so bad that your uh, your favorite movie theater will let you be the one person to, to come see it. <laughs> uh, I really, I, 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 I have walked out of three movies in my life, two because of the movie, and I went, and, uh, I went to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and I talked about this on the podcast and I, I walked out 40 minutes in because of the cell phones. I couldn't do it. Um, this, I walked out because of the audience and I, I don't know when I'm going to go back to a movie theater. If, if this, if this, if the indie stuff gets spoiled, I may do it just, just to get the popcorn and just go, all right, let me have it. I'll be Kent from real genius. Just let, let me have it, bring it all in, bring it all in, do the South park. They're raping him thing. Um, but you're already seeing, uh, you're seeing early reviews of this movie say George Lucas, sure he was bad, but at least he had a vision or something. And, uh, it's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Steve, thank you. Uh, thanks to my callers. It was good. Just short episode for a Friday night. Um, a couple of good, uh, topics. Yeah, no, I am technically banned from Alamo, but they don't have my photo up. Um, but yes, I, I was technically lifelong banned from Alamo. So, uh, that's, and that's a completely other thing, but, uh, thanks again to my callers. Thanks again to my listeners. Uh, thanks again to the person that the first person I ever banned, um, from my call-in rooms. Again, if you're going to be an asshole, just be more original and more clever about it. And also if I invite you up to speak, to be an asshole, don't turn me down because that's why I booted you. Have a good weekend guys. Have a good Friday night. Uh, I'm, po- I'm possibly going to look at being back here on Monday. Because uh, my hockey game's not until late, so I may be back here Monday. I will be back on Substack Tuesday. 
so stay tuned for that. And also, uh, you sh- I know I released a late podcast tonight, so you should have something to listen to over the weekend. So continue to leave comments over there and questions for me to look at going into next week. This is episode 103, New York City Department of Untransportation. This is Versus Media Live. I'm Stephen L. Miller. Uh, have a good night, guys. Enjoy your weekends. Cheers.